Hey, thanks for checking out our podcast today. We continue our camp series with what happens around an open fire. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us at Lighthouse here physically and on the podcast as, as people are listening. Uh, you can keep on talking. We're good. We'll just, we'll just start. You can make it up later. It's fine. <laughs> we are currently in a sermon series entitled Camp. That's, that's, the, that's the name of the sermon series. You might be wondering, so are we camping in the church? Why is there camp chairs? Why is there fire? We're not lighting this on fire, okay? In case anyone's wondering, that is not happening today. Some of you are excited. Some of you are terrified. It's okay. We're not doing that. But the camp sermon series is, the entire concept behind this is seasons, we all enter into seasons, and one of the tragedies we can have is thinking that that season is forever, that my life is bad right now, it's awful, it's not going to get any better, or, you know, it's so great, I hope nothing ever changes. But in fact, seasons happen. We are all starting a season, in a season, or wrapping up a season. It's all about seasons. And, and the whole concept of this sermon series is preparing for seasons, and understanding how to navigate them. But what's really neat about this sermon series is we're, we're pairing that illustratively with a campsite, a campground. So each week we look at one major aspect of a campground. This week it just ha- so happens to be a campfire. That's the theme. And it lands on Easter. I love this idea of a campfire. It's one of my favorite parts of a, a campground. It's, it's one of the best parts. Like, you know, it's like, it's the part of the day where everyone gets together, they hang out, they laugh, they talk. You know, it's, it's like, it's the best part. It smells the best during the campfire time. Like, it's just great. You know, you roast marshmallows, some of you burn marshmallows. It's, it's, there's two types of people. It's fine, whichever one you are. But it's the best. It is, it's the best part of it. And today, we're really looking at illustratively what does a campfire have to do with Easter? How, how is it partnered together? Well, God, God led me to, there's three core aspects that happen around a campfire, and they are the three things that what Easter did for us. The moment that Jesus came out of the tomb, that, that's the core items, that's the core things that happen to us because of the greatness of, that is God. So number one, first aspect is a connection is made. So if you're taking notes, and I hope you would, a connection is made. That's point number one. See, the campfire, the uniqueness of the campfire is it actually connects the day to the night, right? You start building your campfire not when it's midnight, right? You got to start getting the wood, and you start got to start prepping, or else you're just wandering around in darkness. But you start making your campfire, and it connects the daytime to the nighttime. See, dusk is when you light the campfire. And that's actually what Easter did for us. How the campfire connects the day to the night, Easter connects earth to heaven. See, before that, there was no connection. There was no opportunity. There was no chance. You you had no opportunity to walk into heaven going, yeah, I'm good enough. I did enough of this. I did enough chores. My mom liked me, and my wife tolerated me, so I'm good enough, Jesus. Like, that's not the criteria. See, until Easter there was no opportunity to walk into heaven. Easter made the connection. The campfire connects day to night how Easter connects earth to heaven.
So A, a connection is made. A, connected you to God. So the first time ever, Easter connected you to God. Ephesians 2.8 says this, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. What he's done for us is Easter. So you're able to now communicate to God. See, before that, there was a whole system in place. There was a whole temple, there was priests, there was people that you'd go talk to, and then they would relay the message to God because they were good enough, right? But now you have the opportunity to say, I'm bypassing everything, and my Father knows me by name. I can now walk up, I have a connection. It's not because I've done bad things, but I can now talk to God because of Easter, because Jesus made that connection, Another connection, be connected you to a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has become, has begun. I love that idea. Isn't that great? Well, I was talking about earlier when the stone rolls away and, and Jesus rolled it away for himself and for us we get the opportunity of a new life. A new life that's not completely shed in darkness of a tomb, but a new life where we can walk out into a brand new life. It's the best feeling in the world. If you hadn't had that opportunity before, we'll talk about that later, of that feeling of just pure freedom, there is nothing better. Nothing better. And see, it connects you to a future hope. Future hope meaning hope that on this planet, things are going to get better through Jesus. And also, at the end of this planet, when it's your time, you have a hope of heaven. You have a hope of something more, something beyond just earth. That's awesome. You have the interest fee for heaven, finally. See, no one else was able to pay it before Jesus, and he paid it for us. So now we have the entrance fee. Now we can go in and go into heaven. The gates are open. There's no riddle. It's just, do you know Jesus? Yes. Let's go. That, that's, that's it. John three sixteen. for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. See, there's a connection that happens so it's, the, it's the connecting moment. Have you ever sat at a campfire, campground? It's the moment where everyone's connected together. That's the concept of, of heaven in, in Easter. There's this connection that happens. Number two, the second thing that happens at a campfire, a community is formed. It's the one time at a campsite where every person is together right? I mean, during the day, everyone might be doing this. Someone might be hiking. Someone might be just sleeping. Someone might be fishing. Whatever happens at your campground. But at the campfire, that's when people start coming back. That's where everyone starts centering themselves. That's where everyone just relaxes. They laugh. They start, you know, my family growing up, we would make fun of each other for what happened during the day. Oh, so-and-so fell in again. You know, whatever happened. But it's the community starts getting formed. That's what Easter did. There is now a community that we can all belong to. I love it. Do you know after Easter, when Jesus rose from the grave, 
he appeared to the disciples at a campfire. Did you know that? It's something that's really easy to just gloss over. But one of, the, one of the first times that Jesus appeared is he showed up at a campfire and the disciples are so frustrated, they're so angry because their God who proclaimed he was a God died and now they're like, where is he? And then after three days, they kind of gave up. And they're like, let's just go keep fishing again because that's, that's what we started as. And so they, they quit on Jesus. That's something we don't really talk about a lot, but it's in the Bible. They're like, I, I'm, I'm giving up. Um, Jesus didn't come back. So hope's gone. Let's just go fishing now, right? And then Jesus showed up in the middle of them fishing, and he built a campfire. I love this. So community starts in this moment. When Jesus appeared to the disciples after Easter, he built a campfire and spoke to Peter directly. Jesus was concerned that community wouldn't exist. That's why Jesus was showing up at this moment. And the only way for it to happen was through one question and two commands. I fully believe that Jesus asks and says is not intended for Peter in that moment, but for all believers of all time in building community. Lack of community is non-negotiable in the kingdom of God. It it really isn't. Because I don't know about you of how you picture heaven, but it's not like we're all like separated in our little huts, hanging out in houses. Like we're together. It's one community. We're all just being worshiping God on the throne in a mass of souls. That's community. And God's calling us to bring heaven to earth and building community now. It's not good enough just to live in isolation. We got to build community. So, A community is formed, A, with God. See, at the campfire, there's something that needs to happen. So I'm going to be primarily in John 21 for this. John 21, 16a, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. The first aspect of building community is asking yourself, do you love God? Not just like him, not just acknowledge him, not just tolerate him? Do you, do you love him? Do you love, in, in these questions, I can't dive too deep into this right now, but when Jesus asked Peter, he asked him three times, do you, do you love me? And the first two times Jesus asked him, he says, do you love me with everything you got? Do you love me so profoundly how I love the world? And Peter's like, yeah, of course. But then Peter responds with, yeah, I love you. I love you, man. I love you, bro. That's, it's in the Greek. I'm, I know I'm kind of translating it kind of funky, but that's how it is. Jesus is saying, do you love me with everything you got? And Peter says, yeah, man, of course I love you. And, and it's the difference between agape love and phileo love. Agape love meaning the, the love of all loves, and phileo love meaning I love you like a brother. And Jesus is saying, do you agape me? Do you love me with your entire soul, life, mind, everything? And Peter says, yes, I phileo you. Yes, I love you like a brother. And Jesus is like, wait, whoa, hold on. No, no, no. Do you love me? Do you agape me? And Peter says, yeah, I phileo you. I love you like a brother. And then the last time Jesus, Jesus says, oh, wait a minute. Do you love me? Do you, do you love me like a brother? 
And then Peter breaks down crying and says, no, Jesus, I, I agape you. I, I love you with everything I got. First aspect of community, especially having community with God, is asking yourself, do you love God? Like, I love you, God. Or do you love God? I love you with everything I am. That's the first aspect of building community. Really asking yourself, do I love God? Or do I just love him like, yeah, he's good. I got the bumper sticker, I'm good. I'm, I'm good enough. That's what God's asking us. And having community with him, he's saying, do you love me with everything you are? A community is formed, be with people. This one's always hard. Maybe just for me. I, it might just be me. I don't know. Maybe for you too. But God's calling us to build community with people, not just ourselves and not just with him. Jesus says, John 21, 16b, he says, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. You can't control how people treat you, but you can control how you talk and how you treat others. See, our primary command from God, God asks us the question first, just like he asked Peter, do you love me? But then the second thing he says is, are you willing to take care of people that can't take care of themselves in this world? The people that might not know me yet, the, the people that are hurting, the people that are desperate, the people that just need help, the people that need love. And God's saying, if you want to build community, you're going to love on people too. It's not just about yourself. It's about people. Feed my sheep. And then see, the third aspect of a community is formed with yourself. Sounds kind of weird, I know. Just hear me out for a second. How do, well, how do we get this point? John 21, 21 through 22 says this. Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Third aspect is you need to focus on yourself sometimes. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Or are you more concerned with how other people are living their lives out? It's really easy to be like, oh, that person's messing up. Oh, that person's blah. Oh, look at them. They are a fool today. But God's saying, hey, in building community, look at your heart. Is it following after God the way you're supposed to be following? Or are you just pointing fingers right now? Because it's easier to find someone who's living worse than you, right? If you look around, you're like, I'm glad I'm just better than that person because I'm okay. But God's saying, stop looking at other people that have concern for your life and look at your life and make sure you're on track. God's saying, asking the question, do you love me? And if so, you're going to help feed other people and you're going to focus on yourself being going towards God and all that you're supposed to be going towards him as. Follow him. It's a commandment. And number three, a cooktop is enabled. A cooktop is enabled. Have you, ever, have you ever cooked something at a campfire? 
Is that, I grew up in Oregon, so I don't know if it's different laws. Are you allowed to, like, build a fire in a forest and start cooking stuff there? Yes. Is that, there's, like, some, you know, I don't know if that, can you do that here, kind of? Depends on the place. So there's, like, there's weirdness. Okay, let's just all pretend like we're in Oregon. You can just build a fire, and you can start cooking wherever you want. The rule is you put out the fire and make sure it's out. Okay, that's, that is the rule. <laughs> so in Oregon, you go, you, you, you pick out a campsite, you move the rocks out of the way, you pitch your tent, and you get some rocks. Now, I will say, side note, in case you do visit Oregon, you decide to go camping, there are two types of rocks. Okay, this is, this is serious. There's rocks that you use for a fire and rocks you don't use for a fire. Rocks you don't use for a fire are the ones you pull out of the river. This is just a side note for your safety in case you want to go camping and you're like, summer's coming up, I want to go to Oregon. Pastor Matt talks about it all the time. And you go camping. The rule is you never pick a river rock for a campfire because the water is so saturated in the pores, it will expand and explode. Just so you know, just a side note. As kids, we would throw river rocks in the fire. It's just, that's what we do. <laughs> Don't do what we did. Starting a campfire with the intent of cooking dinner and roasting marshmallows is just one of the best things ever. Have you ever seen the, like a little kid's eyes when the, the fire is like just, like you're barely like lighting on fire and they're like, they're already putting the marshmallow and they're like, can't, can't, is it ready? Is it ready yet? And you're like, no, we got some time, okay? <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're just eating marshmallows. They're like, I can't wait, I can't. The be- it's so amazing doing s'mores. It's so, have you ever put the hot dogs on the sticks and you roast in the fire? Okay, just me, all right. You guys are fancy. <laughs> Throw some like ribeye on a cast iron in the fire. Like what, what level are we at right here? <laughs> Flat iron, okay, I, I don't know. Maybe skin some trout you cooked and then just put in the, oh man. There is nothing better. I'm just like hungry right now. Um, it's just Easter Sunday, got some food going. There's nothing better than cooking some food on open fire, right? Just in the forest, and you're just eating it, the tri-tip, whatever you're making, I don't know. And then you start munching on it. It's just delicious. You're just chilling there, like food falls, doesn't matter. The ants will take care of it. It's like God's natural vacuum, you know? There is nothing better. It's a campfire. It, It gives warmth. It brings community, but it's also a tool for cooking. So what does that have to do with Easter? We all enjoy delicious food, that's what, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. John 21, 9 through 14 says this, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. This is, they were fishing Jesus on the shore. He decides to build a campfire and set up a delicious meal as the disciples are frustrated and bitter that they hadn't caught any fish yet until Jesus showed up, and then they did. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 150 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. This is great. Listen to this. 
the most take-it-for-granted aspect of Easter, the most take-it-for-granted one, the one that everyone forgets. We all talk about Jesus rising from the dead. We all talk about our sins. We all talk about everything that Jesus did. But the most take-it-for-granted thing, the ability for the Son of the living God to feed us. Most take-it-for-granted thing. Because before that, we didn't have open access for God to feed us, to speak into our lives, to feel nourished, to feel hope. We didn't have an opportunity for that. Please, never miss it. Easter's all about Jesus rising from the dead, but it's also the fact that he can now speak to you and fill your soul up. Every time you think of roasting marshmallows, every time you think of a campfire, every time you think of anything, remember that now you have access for God to speak directly to you and fill your soul. Never forget that. A, spiritually fed. Jesus will fill your strength, your hope, and your compassion. He'll give you endurance to keep going even when you feel like quitting. It's so, it's so huge. It's so critical. This whole series is on seasons. It's, it's on the very fact that we all live in seasons. And, and, I mean, we've all had rough seasons. We're sitting in the middle. We're like, is this season going to end? Like, I have been in this for a hot few months, and I want to be out of it now. And God says, I, I, I'm trying to teach you some patience. I'm trying to teach you how to get fed and live off of my strength and not your own strength. The moment we feel tired and we just feel like giving up on everything is the moment God's like, I'm waiting. There is a buffet. You don't have to wait any longer. Show up. The disciples were fishing, not because they were hungry, but because they lost hope and thought everything was over. Jesus had died. And then Jesus shows up to feed them and restore their hope. The second aspect, B, do you know what God feeds us? This is one of my favorites. He feeds us discernment. Discernment. Have you heard that word before, discernment? It's the word that means he, he helps us see things as they truly are. In the this, in this scripture, we know this because it says, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. They had discernment. They knew that God, the son of the living God, was standing before them, calling them forward. They had discernment. I, I'm willing to bet if, if some of us had better discernment in our lives, we wouldn't be in some of the bad shape of the seasons we're at. If we're able to discern what's really happening, and, the, and the, one of the greatest gifts of discernment, you know what it is? Is being able to hear all of the world shouting at what you should be and what you are. Having friends say, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And you have all these things shouting at you and you're able to discern and split what God has been whispering to you all along. Because if, if you're going about life doing this and this and this and this and it never feels like you're moving into a different season, it's because God's like, listen, just learn this lesson. I need you to discern my voice amongst the chaos and the clutter. I am here and I need you to listen to me. 
It's one of the first seasons that most believers go through, and it's a reoccurring season. The moment we stop hearing from God, he's like, all right, let's take this test again. Discernment. Easter has enabled discernment in our lives. And see, reserved for you. Have you ever been at a restaurant and you're just like, we'll just show up, it'll be good. Well, wait, have you, have you ever showed up like on the wrong day and you realize, oh, it, it's a holiday? Have you ever showed up like on a, at a restaurant, you're like, oh, let's go somewhere nice, it's Valentine's Day, it'll be great. And they're like, um, you, you wanna just eat here today, right now? I remember one time uh, we were at, we showed up at Benihana's, remember that, in Whittier? And we showed up and we're like, let's go to Benihana's tonight. It's my daughter's like favorite restaurant. Um, how, how, many, how, how many times has London asked about Benihana's? All the time. Every day she's like, can we go to Benihana's today? And we're like, no. Don't cut that kind of money. <laughs> Benihana's every day. Um, we showed up once and we walked in. We're like, let's go. Okay, let's do a special occasion. Let's go to Benihana's. And we forgot that it's like graduation season. Okay, like there was a graduation nearby. We showed up and they're like, oh, the wait, uh, uh, you, want, you want to eat today? And they're like, uh, three, it was like something like two or three hours. And they're like, do you want to wait two or three hours? And we're like, no, then it's going to be the next meal. And so we're sitting there, and I remember we're kind of like in the little parking lot area, like right out front, and they, they're, they're kind of greeting people, and they're, you know, checking stuff. And we're sitting there, and I was looking around, and I was, I get a little hangry, okay? Just, as my wife says, a little. Uh, I, okay, like a lot. So then I start getting fidgety. I'm like, let's go, let's go. Come on, Costco hot dogs, something. We need some food. And so then we went from Benihana. Now I'm just like, let's get some fast. Come on, guys. This is accurate um, of my life. So we're sitting at Benihana's, and now it's moved to the point where we, we're, we don't have our name down. We're just standing there trying to figure out where we're going to eat. And I see another family park and get out and walk. And I'm like, this is so petty. I'm sorry. I've, I've grown since whenever this was. <laughs> but I remember, I remember sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. In my head, I'm like, at least I get to enjoy them hearing the three-hour wait. And I'm like, it's it so small. But it was just, it just I needed some. I was, I was hangry, okay? So I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm just in the back of my head, just like watching them walk. Everyone's discussing we're going to eat. I've already given up on the conversation. And I'm just watching them like, oh, it's probably going to be four hours now. Just like, oh, I hope, I hope it crushes their spirit. Like, just, you know, I'm like, it's just so mean. I don't know. So then they're walking up, walking up, and then they say, oh, uh, we're blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, right this way. We have your table right now. And I was like, it's like, are you kidding me? Just front of the line like that? And then you realize, yeah, they called ahead. They had reservations because the restaurant was expecting them to come and eat. They were expecting, they, they was already prepared for them to come and get food. And then it was, it, it dawned on me. See, with Jesus and us, Jesus, it says that he's known us since the beginning of time. He, he knew us before we were even born. He knew us before we were even in our parents' womb. It says he knew our name before the earth existed. 
And the fact of the matter is God has had reservations for you to dine with him since before the earth was made. Reservations meaning for him to speak to you, to whisper to you, to call you by name, to say, I have a place, I have a purpose, I have a calling on your life. I've had reservations since before you were born. I have been preparing everything for you. That's this concept. And Easter, all it did was to say, the restaurant is now open. There's certain hours that the restaurant's closed, but all of a sudden the door is open and it's time. See, that heaven, heaven is like the restaurant. The hours were closed, but it was already prepared. It, the chef's cooking behind the scenes, but the door might not be open yet. And all of a sudden, Easter opened the doors for you to start receiving from God. It, it's this concept. Reserved for you. Can we go ahead and close our eyes at this, at this time? I, I, you know, I don't know everyone's story and backstory of, you know, how you ended up here today. Sitting in this, in this church, looking at a campfire in the middle of the floor. But in reality, God made a way for you to be here. He opened doors. He prepared today's message just for you. There's something specific that God was speaking to you about. We covered a lot of topics, but God was speaking to you specifically about one thing. Today, with, with all your eyes closed, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I, you know what, it's time. That question that Jesus asked Peter, do, do you love me? I believe God's asking you that today. Do you love me? Do you love me with all of your life? Are you willing to say, yes, God, I love you, and I want you to be part of my life? If that's you today, and you want to accept Jesus into your life, and you, you want to say, yes, God, it's time. I want to call on my reservation. I, I, I want to start hearing from you, God. The season of my life is changing. If, that, if that's you today, would you be so bold as to just open your eyes and look at me? Nothing else, nothing weird. Just look me in the eyes. If you're saying, I want Jesus in my life. Amen. Praise God. I see you. All right, I see you. Praise God. Can we, everyone in here, just repeat after me? Lord, forgive me of my sins. I accept you into my life. I fully believe that you are God, that you died and rose again. Lord, thank you so much for, for what you're speaking to us today about. Thank you for paralleling this campfire illustration to what it means to be in the season of salvation, what it means to be in the season of you. I pray that you would 
continue working on our hearts. I pray that you would continue speaking to us, that our journey of Christianity doesn't just start and stop on Easter because we felt something, but that's where it begins, God. Let us understand that. Let us understand that this is where we start moving forward. This is where we start diving in. This is where we start seeing the miracles happen. This is where we start seeing signs and wonder. This is where you start speaking over us. And we start seeing the craziness that you want to show in our life. Lord, it doesn't stop here. This might be a season, but we might be moving into our next season, God. In your mighty name, amen. Thanks again for visiting. For other topics, more information about us, or giving opportunities, visit lighthouse805.com. And again, happy Easter. <laughs>